This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hello, my name is John. I'm an alcoholic. Um, AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, John. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings, and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. 
It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. All right, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's get to know our guest. John, welcome to the show. Hello. And um, let's let's talk a little bit more about, about you. Uh, how long have you been sober? Uh, first off, John, alcoholic, and I've been sober for six and a half years. Brilliant. And... Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, do you do you work? Okay, I, I study at the moment at our institute, and um, I feel that being uh, sober enough to to go back and retrain and reinvent yourself is is sort of the the theme of AA to me, anyways. So. Wonderful, wonderful, and. Um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit more about what it was like for you growing up. Tell us about a little bit about your childhood. Mm. Uh, pushing 50 at the moment, so it was quite some time ago, you know. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed my childhood. I, I made every moment count sort of thing. Um, there, there were some parts of me that keep showing up now in adulthood, which I wish I could change, and with this program and I'm glad that I can make those sorts of changes and be aware of those things. Um, to me, growing up uh, and having friends was the the ultimate. You know, mm. growing up through school and moving around, we we come from a small place called Myronsville, and over the years we moved through several different schools. You know, mm-hmm. so we moved islands, and that was a big change. That was. Um, Something, you know, I'd, uh, I was so young that I didn't really notice the change, but I know there, there was an impact. Mm. And um, I finished uh, high school here at Hagley High, um, trying my best to finish out school and do all the certificates and then trained through ARA. Um, once again, it was back then, it was Polytech, and I think I trained as a um, as a builder, as a carpenter, and then... Uh, moved into IT. So, um, yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your drinking then. Um, how did it start for you? Wow. Um, I think the first, I recognized drinking as a social event. Um, mum and dad used to hold some pretty cool parties and back then it was, uh, it was tankers. It wasn't beer bottles and 24 <laughs> packs. It was like big tankers on wheels and things, you know, and, and a lot of people. And, um, and so my impression was you have to really go big when you drink, you know? So that was my, my first experiences with alcohol. Um, I started, uh, drinking not so much because I was so young, but this is at high school. I started, uh, first taking, um, drinking, and then it became a regular occurrence, you know, there's some way or somehow we were, uh, managed to get alcohol on the weekends and then school started to drop away. I mm. focused more on the good times that alcohol was bringing and lesser on my future at the time. So, uh, the impact was huge on, on, uh, on my teenage, uh, years, the, 
I think my worst, I was at my worst at my teenage years. Mm, okay. And and so, you know, when you first started drinking or when you first, you know, got in the middle of, of the drinking, what did it do for you? Alcohol had, uh, it had enough power to keep uh, everything manageable. You know, I was, I was coping. I was able to cope with other people's emotions. I was able to cope with my emotions. I mm. was able to relate to everyone a lot easier than it was to to um, be sober and cope with those feelings. You know, I was uh, using drugs as well and alcohol, but uh, I think alcohol was the accessible. It was mm. readily available. It was a coping mechanism that I was um, in tuned with, you know, I could, I could access it every day of the week, anytime I wanted, and it was enough to keep uh, my moods at a manageable mm. level. So, how did it progress into you know early adulthood, and did it change? Yeah, from teenage um, years, I the drinking style really did change. There were some influences that that changed my drinking habits, and then as I progressed through age, there was some reasons why I wanted to drink and keep on drinking. There was the social aspect, and then the 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 coping mechanism on top of that. Mm. Um, so those were combined, and then it became a an event type situation that I'd plan very carefully, you know, whole week and then go out Friday and Saturday. And eventually that habit became a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Mm. Saturday. And then it became, you know, the, the, the cycle was, was in tune, you know, I was, it was entrenched after, uh, after my late twenties, things started to, to come into effect. The, the alcohol wasn't having the effect I had in my twenties. Mm. The the downsides, the risks were higher. Um, the effects were getting bigger because I was able to access more of what I needed, and, and I felt that that was what I needed at the time. So yeah, I really didn't have a way out at that point. And so I guess the choice had been removed. Is yeah. what it sounds like you're saying there. Yeah, that way out, that exit strategy didn't come into play. There was nothing I could do about it. I wanted to keep living that life and mm. keep pushing the boundaries with the alcohol. And you touch on it briefly around the risks. Um, was there any trouble with the law? There's a lot of car crashes, a lot of um, – there are a couple of moments there where um, – I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing, uh, you know. It, it was more around the the vehicle and being in charge of a vehicle while I was intoxicated, mm. and mm. Um, that has a ripple down effect um, right throughout life. Um, I've managed to, well, you know, I've managed it in in ways that I've uh, learned how to minimise it effect it's had on my life. So that is very negative to have. Um, that type of uh, um, charge, basically, mm. on, on on your criminal record, they mm. um, it affects how where you're going to go, where you travel to, where mm-hmm. your employment is, your security clearances, things like that. If I'd 
I I never knew this as a child, and 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 or as an as a um, teenager, my drink driving happened a lot while I was a teenager as well. So I'd unaware of the consequences, mm. Mm. and uh, through life, I realised that those consequences are actually quite a serious thing mm. as you get older. Those the impacts more, you know. Back then, it didn't really matter because I wasn't looking for a job and <laughs> I, I didn't have to worry too much. So let's talk about your journey into recovery. Uh, we often describe um, in, in AA your rock bottom. Can you describe what that was like for you? Uh, I recall my last drink. Uh, my rock bottom was a series of events leading up to like the point where it was – I'd had enough. There was um, – a period of about a year where I was drinking constantly. Um, my lifestyle had took it a, taken a, a, a hammering. The um, my mental health was um, mm. diminishing really fast, and there were things that weren't working out. Work had got a hold of me and <laughs> said, "Look, you've got to stop drinking. You look what you've done. You know the the." The consequences were huge. There were um, moments at the work uh, workplace drinks that um, mm. that that had an effect, had a negative effect mm. on my career with that company. Um, looking back, it's great they were aware of what I was doing and and they gave me that little bit of advice saying, "Hey, look, you've got to change." Mm. And and did you though? Did you take I that advice on board? Not for a while. <laughs> there was it took a little bit to get me to to become aware of where I was. At this point in time, I was um, – what's the, the, there was no exit. There was no, there was no um, plan to, to, to get out of alcoholism, mm. you know. The, the, to me, there wasn't any. I, I had to keep going, you know, and um, I needed to, to find that stopping point. And I think I, – I, I came across it where – like I said, there were moments in life where I couldn't carry on drinking. This was going to affect my life and it was going to have negative effects really bad. So I chose at that point to stop, give up and not look back. <laughs> and and so how did you get yourself into your first AA meeting? Um, way back when I was a teenager, I'd stumbled across AA. I was drinking when I was 16 and, you know, the, the drinking age was 21 back then. So I don't know what I was doing at 16. And uh, I was trying to sneak into bars and things like that at 15. So um, I came across AA back then and it, and it put me on the straight and narrow. It sort of I, I popped in the doors of AA when I was about 16, 17, wow. still real young, not knowing what it was, mm. didn't even see the banners on the wall, just sat in a room full of people and everyone shared. Um, that put me on on a uh, path, I think, um, mm. once I'd recognised that there's somewhere to retreat back to, you know, instead of being full on with alcohol. So... After a while, I went back out. I, I started drinking again, um, but it was more of a controlled environment. I, I, I realized there was a point there that I needed to address the craziness of my drinking, but then after a while, it just 
took mm. over. There was it was it was gone. There was the the control drinking was a null and void. <laughs> it, it was in the past. And so what what is it that um, you've been six and a half years sober now? So tell us about uh, you know coming into the rooms mm. and mm. and how you managed to put the drink down and and you've you've kept the drink down for six and a half years. Mm. Mm. The um. I knew there was AA. I, I knew there was AA. There was to the point where I, I think I was sitting around um, wallowing, despair. There was a lot of sorrow. There was a lot of guilt. And um, I was sitting down and thought, this is it. I know there's an AA. I know there's somewhere to go mm-hmm. and there's I can get help for this. And it was really important that I reach out for help. And uh, throughout life, there was moments that I needed to remind myself to reach out for help because mm. that's the last thing I needed was someone else telling me what to do. <laughs> it was, um, I, I, I would control what I did, what I thought, who I am. And, and, uh, so I knew there was an AA there. So I just popped into the nearest AA, you know, I, I looked around, uh, you know, the website was fully accessible. So I was just popped onto the website, had a look where I felt comfortable turning up to and just sat in the rooms for quite some time actually. And, and I'm still there. And, um, you know, let's talk a bit more about that. You know, what, what were the people like to you and how did they, and how did it make you feel? My first experience with uh, sitting in the AA rooms is listening to the stories of of how people got there and what their lives are like now. Mm. Um, And I could relate so much to their stories. I mean, the the negative effects alcohol had on their uh, home life, their work life, their relationships, you know, everything had an effect and how an alcohol hadn't you know, it had touched every part of their life and and it was destroying how people were living, you know. And I knew I was suffering from alcoholism because I didn't want to live that way. I didn't want to have the mental health problems that come with an unmanageable life. And mm. and, I, and I felt like a, a, an alcoholic death was not going to be on the cards, mm. those there was so many risks. Um, the more alcohol and drugs I took, the less coherent I was. I, mm. I'd black out or mm. um, I'd crash a car or something, and, and that's the last thing I needed at that point. So let's talk about your recovery and what that looks like now. Um, you know, what are some of the things you do to help ensure mm. your sobriety? Recovery to me um, is. Uh, I, my one and main thing is, is actually showing up to, to meetings, um, trying to keep those doors open is where I'm helping another alcoholic find sobriety. Mm. I mean, if those doors aren't open, then, oh, jeepers, um, then they've got nowhere to go. Um, the main, that for me is a huge thing. Um, sponsorship and Mm. service has been a, a really good, good, you know, the really good ingredients of sobriety. Um, having someone to talk to about uh, doing the steps and having someone to to mentor you through the toughest times. Those those first few years of not drinking, there's a whole 
whole um, what do you call it? There's there's a cycle that you have to put in reverse almost um, of of a Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, going out, ringing your friends, mm. um, saving up money for your next drinking spree, and and having three day benders and and planning for three day benders. All of that has to be put in reverse and. And, and then you have to try and find solitude and doing things that are okay and doing things that are okay for you as a person and are healthy outlets instead of using drugs and alcohol as a coping. And so what I guess you've, you've touched on there is, uh, you know, people are there to help you, sponsorship, and you don't have to do it alone. Mm. Yeah. I, I, f- I felt that's the main the, – the, you know, it, it, it feels welcoming when you walk into a room of alcoholics. They all have a cheerful type, you know, <laughs> greet. We you are know, not every, a glum lot. <laughs> no, no, exactly. They'll laugh at you if you need laughing at, you know. It's easy to do. And, and you know, you need you need some honest appraisals, you know. You, you, you can't put on the face and then try and uh, mm. fake your way through the day with AA. You'll have to come in. You'll have to sit down. You'll have to talk about some things that will get you back on the straight and narrow mm. and uh, find that sobriety and help other people find sobriety as well. So we often talk about an AA, um, you know, that we are – that it, you know, AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does that look like for you? Okay. Um, the spiritual side of the program, um, when I first walked in there, had really no relevance. The spiritual side sort of came into play after doing the steps. The step work was important and the spiritual side then revealed mm. itself more. It was a, it was like uh, having to be awakened and, and step 12 is – is, is a perfect example of awakening and helping other people um, to achieve that awakening. Um, mm. it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's something you have to experience mm. um, and it's your own experience and it's your own mm. thoughts that take you to that, that, that place where you need to be, you need to have, um, that feel that security of spirituality. Yeah. So, John, how would you, ex- you know, explain your life today? Today it's manageable. Mm. I feel um, quite happy about the way things are today. Um, like I said, uh, coming a long way from this, it's been a long time since my last drink and that last um, rock bottom had a lot of negative things mm. to it, you know. So today I'm still working on myself because, you know, I'm not that far away from my last Mm. last drink and and my rock bottom. I'm still working on trying to achieve, you know, happiness. You know, there's a lot of things on the the way to achieving sobriety that you need to look at. There's the mental health, there's the health issues, there's the the Mm. financial ruin that that may have occurred while you were on your rock bottom. And then there's the the relationships, the broken relationships Mm. that – we do try to mend, but sometimes they don't need to be. You know, you you can look at them and think, okay, this was this was wrong. I know I was wrong, and um, I could admit that I was wrong, and 
try to amend mm. that wrong. You and know? that's where the program helps you today. It does. Uh, John, what would you recommend for anyone who thinks they might have a drinking problem? What could they ask themselves? You will know that you have a <laughs> drinking problem. It would. It, it, it's not going to be subtle. It's not going to be hidden away. It's going to be right there in front of you. Mm. Um, you'll you'll notice that things aren't the way they should be. Mm. Um, once once that's been, uh, once you've learned how to recognise those symptoms of alcoholism, you'll be wondering why you haven't stopped earlier. Mm. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience and your story with us. Fantastic. Not a problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information, you can look us up on the web at aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There's over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 and again on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website or podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.